welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. Two years now, as of this month, Jeff Turner of Murphy Family Ventures and myself have been bringing you Farm Show every Monday. I sure say that I've learned a whole lot. If you're a farmer, I hope we've kept you up with what you need to know. And if you're a Talk 96.3 and 103.7 listener that's not involved in agriculture, I hope you've grown a greater appreciation for those that grow the food that we put on our table. North Carolina Representative Jeffrey McNeely, who we spoke to a week ago, said, Americans have enjoyed inexpensive food for a long time, at least as it compares to the gamble that it takes to grow it. And I wholeheartedly agree. On today's program, we'll get up with our man in Washington, Jim Wiesemeyer. Jim is a columnist for Pro Farmer, a speaker on the Ag Tour, and a podcaster on farming. And as always, at the end of the show, we'll check the commodity prices after the Friday bell. And in just a second, we'll get up with Jeff Turner. But first, our sponsors of the program... Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Now, good Monday, Jeff Turner. Hey, Dan, good Monday to you. I hope you had a good weekend. I did have a good weekend. The weather a little warmer this past weekend. Scattered showers here, there, and everywhere. You didn't get a great deal of time at the Southern Farm Show. It's the first time you and I have caught up since the show. It was really a large show, and I think it was fairly well attended. A lot of folks I talked to here from the east decided to go over on Friday. They chose the the good weather day to do so. A lot of drones, a lot of folks flying drones. Battery, I did check out the battery tractors, as you had already (laughs) noted. They, you know, we're talking about tractors that would normally be about 35 horsepower, nothing much bigger than that. Uh, Some artificial intelligence. You know, there's two things that I took away from the farm show. There were very few computers visible. If you go back even four years... About every display table for every manufacturer had a laptop on it or uh, even back a little bit more than that, desktop computers interfacing to show folks, you know, what their software did and so forth. Now, all iPads, all phones, be it Android or Apple, just a different world. Yeah, it is. There's probably more power in your cell phone or my cell phone today than the computers that we used to have on our desk. I, I mean, it's amazing what you can do with that or an iPad. The other thing that I noticed that uh, was a little disheartening, if I go back five years or like pretty soon it's going to be five years to COVID, but if I go back five years, there were a lot more people that were uh, huddled up in groups in the middle of the, the aisles chatting, farmers that hadn't seen one another a while or connections that they had made. There's a lot less people congregating, a lot more people walking. That's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, it is. I think we all suffer from or continue to suffer from the separation of the pandemic to where we are today, and people are a lot more guarded than they've ever been. Without doubt. Uh, the American agricultural sector posted its best export year in 2022, with international sales of U.S. farm and food products reaching $196 billion. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack announced Friday of this past week the final 22 trade data released earlier in the week by the Commerce Department shows that U.S. agricultural imports increased 11%, over the previous record-setting year, which is 2021, Vilsack says this is the second consecutive year of record-setting agricultural exports, coupled with record $160.5 billion net farm income. Interesting note, the top commodities exported by the U.S. in 2022, soybeans, corn, beef, dairy, cotton, and tree nuts, comprised 50% of everything that we export. It's amazing. Again, the exports continue to grow, and it's probably somewhat linked to what's going on in Europe and what or what continues yeah. to take place there. So 
it's always good to be able to count on those export markets. Obviously, a very valuable part of our economy, our ag economy. You got to be able to produce enough to feed yourself, but have enough to feed someone else. And the United States has been doing that quite a while. Rough for the farmer, though. For crops, lower prices expected, but uh, higher volumes expected in the year ahead. Kerry Litkowski, who is a economic researcher for the USDA, made note that lower prices expected to pressure corn and soybean cash receipts, while increased movement could help those receipts. For 2023 year, soybean cash receipts could still be the second highest on record, and corn is forecast expected to be the third highest. Receipts for cattle expected to be even. Hogs, broilers, shelled eggs, and dairy expected to be a bit lower, with dairy being quite a bit lower. And that's unfortunate. You know, dairy, the dairy yeah. folks, made, they actually made a little money last year. Yep. I was just going to say, last year was an increased year for dairy, but overall, a uh, slow decline there. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, joined by Jim Wiesemeyer. Jim is well he's a podcaster he's a columnist and uh, i'm sure i missed a few other things always good to be with you your area of expertise is keeping your thumb on what's going on legislatively dc as it relates to ag this is my 51st year covering the business of agriculture yeah i usually say all great men are dead and i'm not well myself (laughs) (laughs) i i will uh i will i'll let mr turner begin on our round of questioning and it's really good to talk to you. It's been quite a while since you and I have seen one another. A lot a lot of water under the bridge. Agriculture and Farm Bill, every time they, we come together and have a Farm Bill, it changes so much. What what do you see? Are, are we going to get a Farm Bill? And what, what do you think is going to be in it? We will eventually get one. I think for the Senate the Senate will be the first one to complete the Farm Bill. But I would say we could be into the first half of next year before the House completes their bill. But it's coming. Early portion of next year is in 2024. 2024, yeah, first or second quarter. I think it'll take them. I hope I'm wrong, but they're they're starting a little later, and the House Ag Committee is going to start their hearings next month because they're out two weeks now. I think they basically know what they have to do for the Farm Bill, just start They'll start writing it. And to be blunt, most of production agriculture looks at the crop insurance program as their farm program now because the Title I is just so out of date right now relative to the reference price levels that they really need to reform Title I. So the question I get the most is, are they going to protect crop insurance? It's like they will. I had read where so much of the provisions in the ag ag bill are already set in stone because of other legislation, and there's really not a whole lot of area that it covers on its own. What are the areas that we think we don't have to worry about anyway? Well, conservation programs, because they got $20 billion last year, if you recall, in additional money. And the food stamp program basically is on permanent you know, legislation. 95% of the programs are on permanent. It's that 5%. That includes Title I that we'll need to update. And then there's uh, other programs. I think there's a total now of 18 programs that uh, that expire at the end of the current Farm Bill. There used to be 28, but they narrowed them down in the last Farm Bill. So you still need a Farm Bill because that still covers a lot of ground. If you were reading tea leaves, what did you read out of the uh, State of the Union Address for Agriculture? 
that President Biden was going to run for re-election. He made that <laughs> very clear. I don't see the spirit of compromise between the political parties that I was hoping for, because he, he I think he did a good job relative to tweaking the Republicans to come out after him. I frankly think that's what he he wanted. But he did not address, I think, a very important issue coming up here is our debt situation. $31.1 billion. Now, why do I bring that up for agriculture? Well, you'll remember not too many years ago in a farm bill debate, we had to save $23 billion. Our debt now is twice the level it was at the time agriculture had to find $23 billion in savings. I don't see that happening this time. In fact, I think a case could be made that we need a, a more, a more funding for the Farm Bill because since the 2018 Farm Bill, taxpayers have paid out $70 billion in a combination of trade, trade war payments, pandemic payments, and disaster payments. Now, you can't add all that to the baseline, but all that's not in a Farm Bill baseline, so that's going to be a critical issue. Again, for perspective, the Congressional Budget Office on Thursday came out with a, with an estimate that in the first four months of this fiscal year that began last October, to service our $31.4 trillion debt cost 41% more than it did a year ago, and the total cost just to service the debt in four months was $198 billion dollars. That suggests that at least $600 billion this fiscal year just to service the debt. Now, our debt has exceeded our GDP, has it not? It does, and that's why we can't grow our way out of the debt. So cuts are going to have to be made, not right away. In the State of the Union address, Biden turned around and he looked at House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California. I'm going to put up my budget out in March. When are you going to show your suggested budget cuts? So that tweaked him there. So there's already talk that in some of these Republican proposals, that will include some farm payment cuts, including crop insurance. Now, that's speculation at this time, but I got it from a couple good sources. So we're back to that again as far as some cuts are going to have to be made eventually. It appears to me, though, that crop insurance, all farmers contribute to that. It's not like it's something that is subsidized, but you pay a premium as a as a grower. If you want insurance, you pay a premium. I'm trying to understand why you would want to cut something where someone is actually making a contribution to the overall risk versus outright payments to do nothing. I don't understand the rationale for that. Logic in Washington fails to escape me. They're not the most consistent people. I think a case can be made to ward off some of those crop insurance cuts for the reason you just said. I've always told farmers that if they ever have a crop insurance hearing, they should have farmers testify, and they should blow up the check, big graphic, to show urbanite and suburbanite lawmakers how much they pay each year out of their money, their skin in the game for crop insurance, and that usually convinces lawmakers who frequently think that the government pays for all of it. And as you just said, farmers pay a lot for those buy-up coverages that are just incentivized. That's all it is. Jeff and I are talking with Jim Wiesemeyer, columnist for Pro Farmer and watcher of all things ag in Washington, D.C. Our program is sponsored by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. 
North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than just agriculture, it's got to be NC. More in just a moment. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7's Eastern Carolina Farming. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner, and we're joined by Jim Wiesemeyer, columnist for Pro Farmer. Jim, it's almost planting time, and as you look at the world landscape, things in Ukraine, I know Russia's uh, griping again about the tentative port agreement for shipping that they have, but what is seed availability like, and are the Ukrainians going to be able to get a crop in the ground? I think there'll be more of an impact this coming year than it was a year ago. So that means a relatively uh, big impact on world wheat markets and sunflower markets. And, of course, there are other big markets, corn. And this is why China recently, uh, from about late last year, started to import Brazilian corn because they used to rely on Ukraine for a lot of their corn needs along with the U.S. So they're diversifying their supplies. But you're, you're correct. They're having increasingly hard problems getting that uh, new crop planted, and I I think you're going to see market implications to that. Is there very much conversation with regard to input costs for U.S. farmers? Are you hearing any any help whatsoever versus where we've been for the last couple of years, or is it going to continue to be inflated? In the Senate Ag Committee hearing on the Farm Bill, uh, input cost was one of the major topics, and I know that they'll look at least at some farm bill possible options to maybe to include input prices. I know in the private crop insurance RMA uh, industry, there are some fledgling uh, proposals out there to temper the risk of the accelerated uh, input prices. So it, it's got both the industry and lawmakers' attention for sure. You wouldn't know it from the last week or so, but we've had a relatively mild winter, so that might be good as far as uh, burning fuel oil is concerned. And we talked with uh, Gas Buddy analyst Patrick DeHaan, who said there are several new refineries coming on that will be diesel refineries, so maybe there's a break out there. But on Friday, Russia announced that they're going to cut beginning next month in March. They're going to reduce their oil production by 500,000 barrels a day, uh, that equates to five percent a month. So you're going to have to you're going to see a price impact of that. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. A number of states have caps on foreign ownership of uh, state land. South Carolina does. North Carolina does not. North Carolina not in even the top fifteen list of states with uh, a great foreign investment. But I'm hearing more and more about it. Is there going to be uh, some federal legislation that you think is going to pop up on this? Absolutely. Yeah, that was made clear at the Senate Ag Committee hearing on Thursday this past week. That's one of the ramifications of the balloon, if you will. Even though President Biden said it should not uh, dramatically uh, impact U.S.-China relations, this balloon has upped the odds of a, uh, a tightening or restrictions on China and a number of other countries uh, purchasing U.S. real estate. So uh, it, it's a creature of the of the times we're in, and I think it's going to happen now, restrictions. Grassley's had a bill out there for some time with regard to foreign ownership. He's been working on a bill. I, so you're saying this is probably go, going to accelerate what he's already begun. A- absolutely. The political momentum is there is which party can be the most aggressive in dealing with China. So you can just feel it in Washington. 
congressmen and, and senators could use a poster child for, gee, see, we're getting along, and this could actually be that because there's broad consensus in it. We got any hard data on the fact that uh, other uh, foreign governments, specifically the Chinese, are buying up cropland in, uh, I mean, the Canadians own the greatest am- amount of acres of American land. Most of that is timber, however, but we're talking about tillable land. Yeah. Do you see some of that? Uh, that won't be restricted in Japan, I know, is another big buyer. Remember in the 80s, they started purchasing a lot of U.S. farmland. But, no, I think that they'll be very selective in the countries that they'll put uh, restrictions on, at least from a federal uh, level. You don't really want to do that. You want to keep any market free and open. But I think it's rather clear now that uh, that China has been either purchasing land around airports, such as in Fargo, for obvious reasons, and that balloon going near the uh, very key key areas for the defense uh, of America. So it's just a time is right for for a constriction on 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 at least China's part and probably uh, uh, Iraq and a number of other countries around. Well, Jim, uh, we had a lockdown during COVID, and uh, it seems like you're breaking that free and getting frequent flyer miles on your credit card. You were at the Top Producers Conference. You were here in the Blacklands, which is where I got up with you, and uh, you're in Florida now. Is you've got your your ear to the ground, and obviously you do. What do you uh, what do you hear from farmers that uh, we might not have brought up? Uh, well, they want to know what the WOTUS rule for the Supreme Court will be between now and June, because you know, uh, frazzled over the years under the changing uh, waters of the U.S. rule. Under President Obama, we had the WOTUS rule from hell. Under President Trump, we had the WOTUS rule from heaven. Now it looks like uh, we'll probably get the WOTUS rule from purgatory once the Supreme Court rules on that between now and June. The second one is the input prices that you said. Will there be any program to help temper them? And the third one is crop insurance. That's the real farm program for the majority of production agriculture. It's really not the farm bill. It's the crop insurance program because they were the front runners in revenue assurance before it was even discussed in the farm bill environment. And and they are concerned about the debt and wanting uh, to know when uh, what sector is going to be cut. Th- those are the biggies. I was also in earlier this week to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to talk to the sugarcane people. I learned again, while I can drink with the Cajun, I just can't keep drinking with the Cajun. <laughs> <laughs> I read an article, I guess about a week or so ago, that there was some, the winds were blowing that maybe Secretary Regan was going to step down. I saw that, and usually that has some element of truth. Now, EPA put out a statement quoting that he was not leaving, but anything, when you're a cabinet secretary, it pulls a lot of your time. You know, I don't care whether they're Vilsack or or other cabinet members. So I I would say it's probably more truth, uh, but I just don't know when he's leaving. We heard the same thing about uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen, but uh, Biden asked her to stay on. Now, uh, that would be my first question to ask the White House. Does Biden want to encourage him to, to keep on? Because, you know, it's hard to tell a president no when they ask uh, you to stay. Jim, it's it's really good to catch up again. It's been quite a while. I look forward to talking again soon. Love to see you sometime. Sure. If you're back in the state, let, let me know. I, I try not to go to Washington anymore. <laughs> Jeff would be more than happy to meet you in Washington, North Carolina. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, the the original Washington. How's that? Yeah, absolutely. I was told that. Yeah, when you're in a car with uh, Jimmy Latham, you get one of the best histories of the Blacklands that you can get around. Let me tell you that. 
the people are so gracious in North Carolina. And, of course, I had a chance once again to get the pulled pork from North Carolina, which I think is the best in the country. You call me anytime, okay? Appreciate it, Jim. You're very kind. It's good to talk to you, sure. Jim. That's Jim Wiesemeyer, columnist for Pro Farmer and Washington Ag Watcher, and we will take that invitation to have him on once a quarter. Our program is sponsored in part by Donna Byram with First Choice Insurance Partners. Call Donna today at 252-792-1189. Let her protect your yield so you can stay in the field. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Make sure you join the program Monday at 6.30 in the morning and 6 o'clock at night. I'm Dan Miller. Let's take a look at last week's market numbers. Nearby February live cattle futures gained 37.5 cents to 161.20 Friday, while the most active April closed at 163.95 to mark a 17.5 cent weekly decline. In contrast, March feeder futures slid to 186.40 with the closing quote representing the weekly rise of 30 cents. As expected, feedlot managers forced beef packers to pay up for fed cattle from the prior week. Expiring February hog futures inched up five cents Friday to 75.87 to end the week, whereas most active April ended the day unchanged at 85.32. That represented a weekly drop of $3.15. Modest upward trend in cash hog prices continued last week with Wednesday's official quote at 73.80 up five cents in the day, that being followed by a preliminary quote Thursday of $74 up 20 cents. Closer to home, North Carolina egg prices were lower in all sizes when compared to the prior week. Our state's weighted average price quote for Thursday, February the 9th, for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 271.62 for extra large, 257.17 for large, 235.29 for medium, and 185 for small eggs. Number two yellow shell corn was mixed 15 cents lower to one cent higher when compared to the prior week. Prices range mostly 7.31 to 7.71 at the Carolina Mills and 7.21 to 7.64 at the elevators through Thursday, February the 9th. Number one yellow soybeans were mixed, six cents lower to seven cents higher, range 15.47 to 16.02 at the processors, mostly 15.05 to 15.42 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat also mixed, range 6.74 to 7.44 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants range 541.40 to 556.50 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery corn range 601 to 703, soybeans were 1345 to 1384, and wheat range 642 to 758. Northeastern North Carolina 22 season sweet potato, 40 pound orange types, U.S. number ones, $14 to $17, U.S. number one petites, $10 to $13, and U.S. number twos, $9 to $11, some as low as six. That's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. Support the show. Have your supplier call Hank Hinton. Call 252-355-1037. For Jeff Turner and myself, Dan Miller, have a great week.